0: Founder and CEO of Refu, and you're listening to SassHoles. Welcome to
1: SassHoles, the show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. We are revenue ops with a third edge. Interesting. It's going to be a good new year. Jamie, Jason, KG, myself, Pete have combined hundred years of making interesting decisions. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Today, our guest is Ryan Walsh, RepView's founder and CEO. Ryan Walsh has spent nearly two decades selling leading sales teams and mentoring sales professionals. Prior to founding RepView, Ryan ran a successful consulting practice helping companies optimize the mechanics of repeatable revenue businesses with a keen focus on architecting scalable sales engines for early to mid-stage cloud-based software companies. Previously, Ryan spent over 17 years as an operator and executive, most recently as chief revenue officer for SaaS e-commerce software company, Channel Advisor. Ryan was the primary architect of the Revenue Engine and chief sales leader from 2010 to 2017, during which the company's annual revenues grew from 40 mil to 112. That's a nice hockey stick. This growth directly resulted in a successful IPO in 2013. Cha-ching! But, before we get to Ryan, this episode is brought to you by People.ai. If you want actionable insights into your Salesforce CRM tool, use People.ai. People.ai has the best of breed matching technology that will match your reps' activity to their opportunities and accounts, removing the manual self-reported nature of a CRM tool. Self-reported, huh? Sure. This saves 10% of salespeople's time giving it back, so they spend more time selling. Use People.ai today to make all your sales tech services work better and provide you the insights and intelligence you need to make better sales strategy decisions. Visit People.ai today to get more information. Carney, you know anything about People.ai? I know
2: nothing about People.ai. You know know nothing?
1: All right. All right. Hey, uh, KG.
3: Yes, Pete. Karnak.
1: Karnak. (laughs) I was going to tell you guys a uh, time-traveling joke, but you guys already didn't like it. Leave us some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. I reused that one. KG, you got any shout-outs?
3: I just have a couple of shout-outs here. I want to congratulate uh, Phil Lacourt for starting a new position as VP of Acquisition Operations at Ring. Central. I think he was at exactly a long time ago. Not sure. Uh, happy birthday to my buddy, Carlos Wookie at uh, ZipRecruiter. Happy belated birthday to my brother, Chris Gaith Whoa. At, Qu- at Qualys up in uh, Northern California. And uh, happy birthday to Christine Ali, one of my favorite salespeople uh, formerly at business.com. I think she's at Oracle right now. And that's all she wrote, Pete. With the end, Cheers. <laughs> no, no you're thinking of uh christy alley pretty
1: close oh all right all right pretty close carney what do you Here got yeah i
2: got cindy grogan uh took a new position at flexera she's now general manager of tech ops not really sure what that means but congratulations and chris shelley um for one year uh being at fran connect i did have somebody else but i saw it was on your list so i let you take that one.
1: Oh, really <laughs> okay Hey, I want to congratulate Charlotte Guyman, three years at Brotman Beatty Institute. She's one of the old school peeps at uh, Microsoft Sidewalk. She's on the board of directors at Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, she had the, we had the pleasure of working back in the early days in Microsoft Sidewalk. Charlotte, here's to you. Jason Hanley, two years at Dinfly. And then uh, Carney, I guess we're on the same page
2: with uh, Cogs. Yeah, that's the one I took off because I saw it was like. Go oh. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, so Melissa uh, Cogs Coglinese, uh, congrats on being the head of enterprise sales at Sprout Social. She's joining our former uh, uh, guest um, Jamie uh, Gilpin and and Melissa uh, and uh, Melanie Marinelli over at Sprout Social, plus a handful of more. So congrats.
1: Okay. All right, and then our my guy. Uh, Kyle over at uh, Cameo he had a quick note. Hey, Pete, happy new year. Been working, helping ramp up some new sales managers. And he's been re- recommending rereading a number of the books we read back in the day Good to Great, Managing by Influence, Four E's of Leadership, to name a few. If you have a master list of all the ones we used to read? Hope you're all well. You know, books are like milk. You leave it on the counter too long, they spoil. Read the books, apply the information, as opposed to just reading books and applying nothing. I gave him a suggestion: going to Gallup and uh, reading all their publications.
3: You know, the the one of the recent books that I really really liked was Thinking in Bets. By Annie Duke she's a professional uh, poker player and um, you know the world that uh, that we live in Ryan's no exception to this is, uh, is, a, is a world that's not definitive it's not black and white and uh, when we make decisions we have to think in terms of probabilities um, and uh, and so this book I read it too late <laughs> and it came out long you know only just a few years ago anyway but I, I would definitely recommend thinking in bets by uh, by annie duke it uh, helps provide a great construct for making decisions in an uncertain world wow how about that for a tagline that's 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 up there
1: so oh. so kg how did we find ryan where'd he come from
3: well the the short uh, short story short is uh a buddy of mine, Nick Truman, used to work for me at Upkeep, a maintenance management software. Really liked Nick. Uh, this guy was uh, actually a math teacher before he got into sales. And so I really liked how he had a metrics approach to, uh, uh, to his leadership style. And um, when I talked to him about the show... Nick uh, about the show. He said, "You have to talk to Ryan. He's one of the greatest CROs that I'd ever worked for in my entire life." And then, uh, coincidentally, Ryan, of course, is the CEO of RepView, which is you know perfect for uh, you know for our audience. So that's uh, that's how we came to uh, to meet Ryan Walsh. Welcome to the show, Ryan.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate. Shout out to Nick. I remember. um, I, I think we hired him from that math teacher job right? As as uh, as an SDR many, many, many years ago. Uh, and, and, and like I said, he's, he's gone on. Once once he got out from underneath me, he was able to go and do much, much better things <laughs> after that. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for having me.
1: I, I guess, Ryan, give us like a three-minute summary of your, your career. Uh, How did you get to where you are today? I have a feeling you love sales.
0: What gave it away? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, go uh, ahead. Yeah. How'd you get started? Yeah, happy, happy to. And, and thanks for the, the introduction earlier. That I was just taking a note that I need to rewrite my uh kind of LinkedIn headline and tagline and make it a little shorter and <laughs> make it easier to read <laughs> off the tongue. Mental note. Um, I, I like like many people, rep, you did a poll the other day. It's like, how'd you get into sales? One of them was like it was an accident. That's probably my my you know, initial was as well. I, I got out of school in the late 90s dot com boom and uh got hooked up with an internet startup got lucky enough that we were acquired and so we our bills were paid while every other startup was kind of blown up uh and uh kind of came out of that a couple years later with the the founder of that company started another company called channel advisor and it was like what do you you know they they to took about 20 of us from his prior startup to start that new company what do you want to do and I said well I kind of like sales you know I dabbled in it a little bit during the startup thing and Maybe, maybe that you know, maybe that's something I'd like to try. and, and that was 20 years ago. And, and as you can see, I still love sales. And so um, that, that's how I got started into sales and and really carried a bag for five, six years, and at the time had the same job, right? Same business card, same title. You never hear about that now, right? Same job literally for for five, six years, and then over time moved up into management roles. Um, working my way through kind of regional director type of role to VP US role to to then finally uh, CRO at that same company for 17 years. So that that's kind of a unicorn story for me was at the same company uh, for many many years. But we we were doing well, we were growing, and I I felt like the opportunities for me were 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 there to continue to grow my career, um, grow my skill set, and and have the opportunity to lead people, which I enjoy doing. Um, and so I was there for, for many, many years, learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes, learned off those as well, and, um, you know, came out the other end probably better for it.
1: Now, now Repview, can you give us a quick elevator pitch
0: on, uh, on that? It looks like uh,
1: uh, a way better version of Glassdoor, especially for salespeople. Sure. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, there, there's a concept in business so you'll hear about a lot. It's the verticalization of X or Y or Z, right? You could say RepU is a verticalization of Glassdoor. Some people say LinkedIn. It's probably more so Glassdoor. It is as a sales, we, we are a, a significantly more structured based on data version of Glassdoor. What I mean by that is you can go to RepU and you can access rich profiles, highly consumable, very visually appealing profiles of, of companies. And when I say companies, I'm talking specifically the sales organization of that company. And when you view that page as a sales professional, our goal is very quickly, you know, what are my chances of hitting quota? How much money can I make from a top performer? What's the strengths of this organization? What's the weaknesses of this organization as it relates to things like professional development, lead flow, incentive comp structure? Uh, what tech stack is deployed by that sales organization? So very quickly, is it good for me? Is it good overall? What questions should I ask during the interview? This is all, these profiles are all based on submitted verified ratings from their from your peers. So we, we were two years out of beta, ended uh, Ended last year at 7,700 ratings. Uh, ended, I'm sorry, ended 2020. i say last year, it's now 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, we grew from 7,700 to about 38,000 ratings as of last week when the, the last year ended. Um, so growing really, really fast, um, and the mission is is very simple for users. It's you know provide complete transparency into what it's really, truly like to work inside any of the world's most well-known sales organizations. Um, so this so, is rep.
2: So this is rep-driven. Like the actual reps at the current company or former reps at the current company write in what they liked and what they didn't like about the the company that they were at.
0: Yep both current and former all in a structured survey environment. It's anonymous takes about two and a half minutes. Uh, and we've grown, uh, we're about two X the size of G two was in their ratings count at the same stage. Mm. Uh, and the reason why is because reps love it, right? They absolutely, absolutely love it. You know, all we need, we just need to make them aware of it. And they're in, they're in. Why'd you start it?
3: What was the, what was there? Was there a moment where you went, Holy (laughs) snakeies,
0: I mean, I think there's a, there's been a there's a there's, a, there's a, there's a, there's a, an issue, two issues, really. It's like, why is sales attrition two X non-sales attrition? Why why are we just okay? And as a CRO, former recovering, as you say, as you see, um, why are we just okay with 40% of our team hitting quota? Right. Is that, is that what it should be? Um, and so there, there, there's, there's a number of things. I think we may make it into some of these later that are fueling these challenges. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, What I saw was that sales professionals are going into roles without the complete picture of what it's really like to work in that role. Not only does that cause misset expectations, but it also causes sales professionals to make the wrong decision. And I, you know, I've, I've referenced this a few times, but you have the concept of information asymmetry during the interview process. So much more data flows from company to candidate versus candidate to company, right? And the 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 information, or I'm sorry candidate to company is the, the information is flowing significantly. The, the candidates just don't get a lot of good quality information, right? It's, it's very limited. Uh, many of them are afraid to ask tough questions. I, I just want to win the job. And there's just so many misfit hires. And that, I don't mean that like with a true negative con- connotation. I mean that literally like as a sales professional, I go into this role and it's not the best fit. I made the mistake many times as a sales leader, product was too technical for this person, even though they're a good salesperson. Our org was, was you know, 250 salespeople, right? They thrive in a 10-person org, or they thrive in a 10,000-person mm-hmm. org. Mm-hmm. In, in many cases, we lost good salespeople that would go on to be successful elsewhere because it wasn't a good fit for us. Um, and so how do, we, how do we provide a resource for salespeople to, to, you know, help themselves during that process? And so that, that's a core part of it.
2: How can employers use this data? Or how are they using it?
0: Sure, yeah. So so employers can use the data, right? Our job at RepView as the business is to aggregate data and turn it into valuable resources for various constituents. Those constituents obviously include salespeople, right? You go and it's valuable because you go to repview.com and you can access all the data. We, we do have an offering for employers whereby they can, it, it, we're a network effect. There's supply and demand. Supply is users and data. Demand is I want to hire those users. And I want to access that data to benchmark myself against my peers, uh, to understand compensation, real-time compensation data and benchmarking, to understand metrics related to my talent funnel. Who should I be, what company should I be targeting, with what message. We have a, a data platform um, that we're not, I won't say we're in stealth mode. We have a form on our site. It gets filled out. We're doing deals, um, you know, and, and so employers can leverage rep you by creating enhanced profiles on our website and they can access our data set in a, in really unique ways to get a leg up in the, in the current talent wars. I'm sure, you know, I I don't know if you've heard anything about the great resignation the talent (laughs) wars, all that Uh, sales hiring is pretty hot right now. So um, we've, we've timed that pretty well. So, um, you know, our our role, like I said, we aggregate data, make it, and turn it into valuable insights for various constituents.
1: What's trending right now? Say that again. What, what's trending right now? Like, what's uh, what are the hot searches?
0: Well, we, we if there, there's two there's two answers to that question. What's trending macro at the sales level is um, it is the you know attrition and and compensation, right? Those are the two things. And and by the way, those are very related, right? Like when you're sitting there at 150 OTE and somebody rolls in with a 240 offer. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll listen. I don't care how happy I am or what, how much I love my boss. You know, let's let's talk. So, and 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 that stems from the influx of dollars from the venture capital industry. Right. You see it every day: hundred million funding, two hundred million funding, four hundred million funding, crazy numbers in tech, in tech. And, and what what and and the pitch to get that hundred million dollars in funding is, hey, we're going to grow from X to Y, so then we can get another three hundred million in eighteen months. Well, how do you grow from X to Y? It's, it's quota bearing sales reps. How many butts and seats do you have? This is a simple math exercise as, as CROs and sales leaders, right? You, you run mm-hmm. the ops model, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going to get from 100 to 300, there's a math equation and it says, I need 80 more reps, right? The problem is when you have 200 companies that all need 80 more reps, the supply demand thing just doesn't, it doesn't work, right? So then what do you do as, as an economics major? And this is probably the only thing I remember from college. Uh, in the classroom is like, you know, when, when, you know, the price is going to go up, you know, when, when, when demand goes up and supply is constant, right. Um, and the price is the, the cost of hiring a sales rep, AKA their salary. So we are seeing, I've seen a couple examples of, of sales organizations that have just done a blanket 30% increase or somewhere in that range, wow. their entire team. Wow. Right? Their entire team. Other than that, we're seeing 15, 20 year on year, it's going up, uh, but we're still seeing attrition because, I mean, the, the, the value to, the, and you think about the $100 million, the $300 million funding, the value to that company, I'll, I'll, sure, I'll pay 200 instead of 140. That 60K is nothing compared to the enterprise valuation that can be driven by 600K in ARR that they might drive for you. Um, you know, so, so from a macro standpoint, you know, that's what's trending, so to speak. Uh, and that's what we're seeing uh, in our data as well.
2: Do you think Antonio Brown is the uh, poster child for the great resignation?
0: Do you follow <laughs> us on Instagram? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Did you see, So you saw our meme yesterday from Antonio. Uh, yeah, he just, you know, I think, I think that um, the challenge with Antonio Brown is that You know, he did it in public and he's got, you know, there's only 32, (laughs) there's only 32 potential suitors uh, for Antonio Brown. We have some fun with, with current issues on our, our Instagram uh, account is almost entirely made up of memes of current events that we somehow figure out how to tie it into sales, um, you know, in in the sales. So, so so yeah, I, I think he's, he's maybe got a little more of a challenge than a hot enterprise sales rep. Uh, but maybe a little bit more in the bank too, though.
2: I think it's tough right now. As a uh, you know, if you're a more mature sales organization, um, you're probably losing a lot of reps to well-funded startups that might, you know, be able to pick you off. Because as as anyone knows, if you started out in a company, whatever you start out as your salary, it's harder to grow that exponentially without. You know, certain board approval and all of that, especially at more mature businesses, and yep. it's probably very difficult. I know it was at uh, companies I've been at where to keep reps when the 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 OTE is skyrocketed across the board. How would you consult or help companies that are a little bit more mature and how to how to navigate these waters when you know these these payouts are so extraordinary and to give a hundred reps. $60,000 more in annual salary might sound like a good plan, but at the end of the day, that's $6 million of expense that they probably can't recover in that calendar year and means they might hit, not, not hit their number.
0: Right. Yeah. Years. I mean, you know, it's a good question. I think there, there's a couple ways to look at it. Number one, it, it's really not. Been a situation that has been like this historically, right? Like this is new, right? So people have to figure it out, right? And and I would start with where you went, which is what what does that look like? Right. And 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 try and apply, I think it was like the example of the Annie Duke book, right? Like, what are the probabilities of doing what what's the probable outcomes of doing nothing? What's the probable outcome of doing the 60K raise? What's the probable outcome of doing a 30K raise? right? And, in, 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 you know, 30 or whatever, somewhere somewhere in between, right? Maybe there's three options, something like that. my If, if I'm sitting in that CRO seat, I'm looking at all the numbers I'm saying, all right, and then let's apply attrition. You have to make assumptions. Attrition, if we do nothing, right, is this. Attrition, if we do 60, is probably much lower than this and in the middle, somewhere in the middle. And, th- and then the other thing you have to think about is you've got to grow. You've got to continue to grow. What are you going to have to pay anyways to get those new reps in, is it going to be X plus 60K? Right. And then, so what does that look like? And now they, by the way, they all have rep use. They're all going to know that they're underpaid, the existing folks, right. (laughs) They're going to know that they're underpaid. Um, And so, you know, so I think in terms of being an unprecedented time, then you have to take unprecedented measures, right. Obviously as a, as now a CEO and a CRO, I had to, CRO has to kind of balance both sides of executive team board responsibilities with, I got to keep, you know, I, I got to, I can't let attrition get up over 25, 30%, or else, you know, there'll be somebody else's problem pretty soon uh, as well. So, I, I mean, I think that you apply probabilities, you make your recommendation. My recommendation would be to do an increase. At, I don't know if, you know, 60 is extreme for a 140 to 200. Um, I, I think the other potential is, and, you know, it, it just this is the reality of the world we live in, right? Who are the ones that you can't afford to lose, right? And 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 so, you know, I'm an advocate for sharing salary and compensation ranges openly, right? So for mid-market account executive XYZ at large company XYZ, maybe that range is 160 to 190, right? That doesn't mean like that, you can be somewhere in that range. If you have to go above that range for somebody, that just means the range is now higher, right? And and so I think people need to understand that as well. So if you have a range. You push people up in that range without maybe necessarily going over that range. But, you know, at this point, based on what we're seeing, if you're not kind of proactively adjusting some things on the compensation, you're just going to be living in a world of attrition. I mean, it's just it just the the folks are getting hit hit up every day.
2: Wouldn't you say, though, if your product sells, if your product is great and makes it easier for the sales reps to sell and you make everything easier for the sales reps to sell. And if you focus purely on that, you might have to increase salaries a little bit, but if reps have a way to hit their number and exceed their number at your company, starting somewhere else where you, you, you might not know that path might be more difficult, even if it's $30,000 more in base or $60,000 more in base.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a great, it's a great point. Right. And, and, and like, if I take a, an account executive role at 180 K, this is, this is kind of partly back to the problem that refu solves if i take that 100k 180k job without a lot of information going in other than like my buddy works there and says it's a good sales job right like i could i could end up a, a year or two out i could end up w2ing 140 or 640 right like literally like there's that much of a range in these types of roles right and so if you are in a position as a leader where you know, look, I don't care. We don't need to raise, like you don't need to raise the comp if everybody on that 140 is already making 340, right? Like, yeah, bump it up a little bit just to give people you know, some peace of mind or something or just to be in market. Um, but absolutely, if, if you have a, a path to that, um, and that's some of the data we can help with, which is here's your talent competitors. Hey, you guys are 64% of the team hitting quota. They're at 22%. Right. So let's calculate that. And there's that. Let's place that probability bet around You go there. What's 22 percent of this or 64 percent of that um, product market fit, by the way, is is, in my opinion, the number one factor. Forget about every, and Everything else is a gap between two, three, four, five and six in terms of probability of success of, of you as mm-hmm. an individual contributor or a sales leader in that org.
3: Mm-hmm. High tides rise all ships. Uh, yeah, exactly. If you're if you're in a good company that has good product, I mean, look, I, I talked to a guy at Zoom uh, a couple of months ago. I was trying to get him to go work for a client of mine, and he's like, "I made a million bucks last year." And I'm thinking to myself, "How many people at Zoom are not that good and made a million bucks last year? They they was just product market fit, man." Um, yeah. Ryan, I'm going to shift gears on you just uh, slightly and and go the opposite. At some of my previous companies, we had an amazing total comp package, cash being one thing, but all the other benefits that went into the compensation package, 401k matching was one of those things. And what we learned was that for 10% of the company, that was really, really valuable, 401k matching. For 90% of the org, especially the sales org, yeah. they they didn't know what it was they didn't care what it was they were 22 years old and you know 25 years old whatever and, and and it was it was a benefit that was not valuable so uh when we think about you know our example of raising comp cash comp by mm-hmm. you know some dollar amount just to stay at market Are there insights coming from your platform as far as benefits uh, or other pieces of the comp package that frankly, don't move the needle nearly as much that our listeners can basically just say, you know what, we're going to raise comp, but you know, let's get rid of snacks in the office and, you know, forget, you know, the Nerf balls, you know, we're not refreshing Nerf balls anymore because no one really cares about Nerf balls in the office. Well, we're not going to the office, but
0: you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Any insights
3: out of the platform there?
0: Yeah. Um, so, so not specifically out of the platform, we're actually, we're actually rolling out a benefits, um, kind of infrastructure very soon, probably in the next two months on the site. So when you go to the, go to the site, you'll be able to compare and contrast in a structured way. Like I only want to see orgs that have family leave of X or insurance of Y, all that. Um, what you said is, is kind of funny. I've experienced the same thing. The 22 year old salespeople, it's not that they don't care about like the 401k matches. They don't care about anything except cash comp, like, like <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, literally, like they don't care about health insurance, right? I mean, they don't, they don't, maybe they could say on their parents' plan or maybe they're just like, I'm not gonna get sick, right? I mean, probably a bad, you know, bad theory right now, but it, it, it just, it just, they all pale in comparison. The, the problem is they don't care about it. And these things like the Nerf ball and they, like, if, even even if you're in the office, most of them aren't, like they don't care, Right. Any benefit, and we, we used to do this. Like, oh, look here's your here's your total comp. Like, right. Health benefits worth like eleven hundred dollars. I don't give a crap about that. Where's nope. my eleven hundred dollars? I'm not. So, I don't see that money. Like, and this is worth four hundred dollar benefit. That the reps don't even read that stuff. They really that's don't. Right. They, they don't care. And so, you know, show me the money is 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 what they're thinking. And so, you know, I, I think that uh, for a lot of other poison employees, as they you know, advancing their career, maybe they got families. And they're like, Oh, actually maybe that health insurance, like, uh, I guess, you know, having a kid or something like, I don't know that it could be valuable. Now they, they start figuring it out, but they, they value, it's like a wide, huge gap between um, cash related benefits and everything else, even 401k, mm-hmm. even though like 401k, the, the match that is right. Like this is cash, right? right? It's real cash. It's real right. Cash.
1: Ba- ba- based on what you just said, then, would it make sense that if you kept the uh, the full time comp the same, but the pay at risk goes away, that the the reps take on more risk, and you put more pressure on your leaders to uh, keep people
0: on at a higher salary and lower uh, lower bonus? I mean, the, the 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 reason I don't really like that is because the the hundred and fifty k OTE like the good the good salespeople don't get that job to make 150 right they get that job to make 450 right and so if, if i don't see a path to it to a nice accelerator like and i've had this conversation many times over the last couple of years like what do we, let's just make it all why don't we just get the 150 paid in cash right like and just because the developer or the whatever person they get their cap like well, this is because I don't want 150, right? I want 350. I want 650, right? And and I'm and you know everybody walking into that role thinks they're going to going to be the person at 650, right? There's very few that that are that person, but the, the bottom line is everybody has an opportunity to be that person, right? They have a chance to be that person, uh, and so that's the that's the that's the balance that you have, right? With with and and the value to the company, right? From a compensation plan perspective, right? Like that person who, who earned 650 assuming that the leader is you know competent and has built a, six, a strong comp plan the company should be super pumped to write that 650k check because of the value it drove to the business 1000% um, yeah 1000% so company should If you,
2: should, do, be, if you yeah. do break yeah. that up though if you think about it if you break that up there's 10% of a sales force that's probably making 2 to 3x the OTE right yeah. then there's yeah. there's 50% that are maybe making right around the OTE and then there's another you know 20 30% that are well below right mm-hmm. <laughs> because they, now if you break that up and what Pete's trying to say is i think you take that 10% those are the people you don't want to you, you can't afford to lose right the people right. that are consisting right. of that 10% maybe 15% of them that are consistently there. Those are the ones you probably don't want to give them the OT of 150. You want to give them the OT of 450 and say, keep doing what you're doing. And we're going to maximize that. Mm -hmm. And then the rest, Hey, you can get to that 450 consistently. If you do these things and you start proving yourself out this way, and then we'll move you into that role. I think that's where you're going at Pete, right? That's sort of like breaking it up into then they don't have to do all the aspects of it.
1: Well, the, the argument is, you know, your, your salespeople are competitive, right? So you want to show them, you know, an upward swing. And my point is then have a plan where they get 450 in salary because that's what the market's paying. Make, uh, make success not optional, make it mandatory. And if they, they don't bring in that revenue stream that they need to support the 450, then you, you move on to somebody else, that's all. So if, if the upside's 450 and 10% are going to make it, then you can budget that out. And these people that are coming in, the the risk, all the risk is on the leadership, not the reps. If the reps see that, then that could be a pretty good differentiator. And that's kind of why I say at the beginning, you got to have a good leadership team, because if you got a bunch of uh, freeloaders on for a sales cycle of a year, then you could run into problems.
0: You know, I don't I don't like the model generally. I think that there's there there is a, a grain of. A part of it that I, that I, that resonates with me, which is that I think a lot of companies have overhired their addressable market. Um, but I think it's been a long time problem, but even probably more so recently. Um, and where, whereas you look at it and you think, and I'm just using it simply without necessarily changing the structure of the comp plan, uh, say you have a hundred reps, you know, can, can, you know, can you accomplish more with 75 reps on the same type of comp plan and you're going to end up paying the same or possibly even more total cash out the door to those 75 versus the 100, right? That's something that many heads of sales struggle with all the time because they're getting the pressure from the top heads, 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 look at the model. Here's the spreadsheet heads. Yeah. 20 more heads. Here's the spreadsheet. Whereas, you know, well, what my 75, this is the right 75. Like, yeah. you know i'm just taking i'm just i'm just slicing the pie you know is, is your we got a we got a meme on instagram with the pie you know just it's like slicing up congrats like your your pie the pie is big but your slice is small but so so that's the part that resonates a little bit which is like there is certainly a concept of lean and and tight with your addressable market in terms of your head count whereas you get inflated you end up cutting up head count many times you're limiting your earning capability of your top performers because there's too many other mouths to feed Mm -hmm. and and those mouths might not be as as good of an eater so to speak yeah
2: i think i think the addressable market i think the territory design is such an archaic process we just typically like most companies when they're starting up and they have 20 reps Everyone's got anything that they want. And then those 20 reps, 15 of them stay with your company and they've gobbled up all the big accounts and they're only working. Maybe they got 30 accounts. They're only working. They only have time to work four or five, Mm -hmm. but they're sitting on 30 accounts and you don't want to remove them because those are the reps you want to keep, yet they're sitting on the great accounts. I think we got to get rid of, get smarter about our territory design, uh, RevOps people do, to sort of allocate out accounts to reps that have the best shot of winning in those accounts, as opposed to geo. Geo's gone now. COVID has yeah. gotten rid of geo. Granted, geo still resonates, but if somebody in New York has a better opportunity hitting somebody in LA than the person who's in LA, give it to the person in, in New York who has better yeah. connections. There. Yeah, I
0: think, I think
2: there's got to be a better way of doing territory design rather than just hire to try to grow.
0: Yeah. I agreed with that. I think the geo thing is out the door. I think that, that as, a, as a, a sales leader that has a rep that's got the 30 accounts, they have to be really comfortable that they've built their comp plan to know that that rep who's really good would close if the opportunity is is remotely possible, right? They're not sitting on it to sandbag for next year. If they are, your comp plan's not good or your rep is not good they would do it. Right. So I think, but, but in general, yeah, I think geo out the window. Um, you, you know, and, and there, there's multiple, we don't have to get into all the different ways you could do it, but um, a lot of it, regardless of how you do it, it, it there are, you know, starting with the addressable market, you, you have to know how much capacity quota capacity relative to your Tam and Tam is like, what is Tam? It's not reachable. Like it's, I kind of yeah. look at it, Rams like reachable addressable market. Like, tam in your in your pitch deck is every human being in the planet and the companies they might start down the road but yeah reachable is a different story i i,
2: I agree i think tam is this is a algorithmic way of looking at your market from a higher level business perspective but i think if you're going to build a quota you should almost what you call is a ram but that should be interactive with sales leadership on saying hey our algorithm says this ABC account is worth $1 million next year. What do you think it's worth? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, and sort of get feedback there on the, on the front lines and then build your quotas off of that. But I, I do think. Go ahead. If
1: we, if we don't pay a salary, then we're saying success is optional. Then what percentage of the people should be reaching target? Then how do you know you have a good sales plan? That's yeah. a, I'm, I'm throwing that to everybody
0: yeah i mean it's it's a a, a very critical statistic that we track um on on rep view is who's hitting quota right and and i think before i answer it i'll i'll precurs the the comments with where we are today maybe isn't where we should be and and some of it is caused by factors like the it's the attrition right i mean like you've got the average tenure and i'll tell you a story we I used to track the average time to people talk, what's average time to full productivity. Well, that doesn't matter. What matters is when does that rep plateau, right? Like if, when do they stop like seeing gains for us? It was like 20 months, right? Like literally would, would do more and more and than 20 to 24 months. They would kind of start to plateau. Well, if your attrition rate is like, you, you may not, your average rep may not get to that 22 months. They just won't, mm-hmm. it just, just doesn't happen. So Anyways, if you get, if you can get, I start with kind of the 50% mark, right? If you're above 50%, right? Like you're starting from a position of like, that's actually pretty good. Like for any company out there to get 50% or more of their reps, because you got 20% that are brand new. You got, you know, you're always gonna have some that are the 80 to hundred, like decent performer. That's kind of trying to get over the hump. And Mm -hmm. you got some chunk that's maybe struggling a little bit below that. You're trying still trying to work with them, but you know, the, 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 the reality of it is more, more orgs than not are below 50%. Right. And in that particular case, what I'm looking for is why are you below, what are the three things that you're doing to get it above, you know, 50 or whatever your personal ideal number would be. Um, And this kind of gets into like, how do you interview companies as a salesperson? But, you know, I I, I look, honestly, I look at 50% as kind of a bar, um, to get more than half your reps, but well, let me ask.
3: But let me ask I you this figured. though, Ryan. Though, and this is uh, I struggled with this my entire my entire career. Um, yeah. I'm going to play a game with you. Let's say you go to I'm your board. Yep, here we go. Let's say you go to your board with amazing news. Q1 2022. Every single one of my salespeople hit or exceeded a hundred percent to goal, and you just. Yes, amazing. Pat yourself on the back. What do you think? How, how's the board going to respond to you? What? Where? How many more can we hire? That's right. What they're gonna say, yeah. yeah. In other words, in other words, uh, Ryan, you screwed the pooch, man. Now yeah. I'm questioning whether or not you're actually that good of a sales leader because 100 yeah. percent of your salespeople, or they're gonna say, what the hell is wrong with you? Your your quotas are way too low. So you either got two quotas too low or your headcount models are not, not correct. And somebody's, that is a problem. Now going on the other extreme, Ryan, 0% is bad. Yeah. So, so, and if you are asserting that 50% is, is sort of a bar or a threshold, there's no definitive answer here. We're all just, you know, talking opinions, yeah. right? So where there is it between 50%? If we know, if we agree that hundred percent is bad because our headcount's wrong or our quotas are too low um, and 50% is just sort of a bar, Mm-hmm. Where, where, where should we be? Because if that's, a, if that's a problem, I'm, and again, I'm not asserting and I'm not agreeing yet that 50% is a problem, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but let's, let's play this game. Where, where between 50 and hundred percent should sales reps
0: be looking for? Well, well the, first of all, the example that you gave, like of the hundred, somebody sales leader walks in with hundred percent into the board. Right. So, so that, it really that, that there's a big difference between an earlier stage startup you know, with 20 sales team members versus the mature 500. if it's the mature 500 team, you're like, what the heck is going on? Like, this is impossible. It's not, it's not possible. And probably they're going to say your quotas are too low on, on the, on the startup. And so first of all, as a sales leader myself, if, if I'm going with that message, that's not the only message I'm, I'm bringing. I'm like also bringing the message of, oh, and here's what we're doing, by the way, whether that's, we've got 10 open reps already open to take advantage of this. Uh, and by the way, here's why we hit. Like there there has to be a story as to why you hit, Oh, the product rolled out these new features last quarter and it's, or marketing generate or, or whatever, there's some story or we just hire, you know? So first of all, you, you, have to come with the, the follow on message of here's what happened, Here's what we thought would happen. Here's what happened. And here's what we're doing about it. Right? Like, so if if you come, well, how many should you want? I don't know why, how'd that happen? I don't know. We, isn't it great though? Like that's, that's, you know, again, even though you did so well, it may be a short runway. Um, so, so I, I think that's a, that's a key part of it, right? And where in that and where in that does depend on on that. Are you in like hyper growth mode, where there are companies that are still hiring to get to that addressable market, right? They don't know where it is yet, and they don't they're going to hire towards it. Um, and and in that particular case, you may have more hitting. Um, so it really depends. I don't. I don't. I think it, it, it's somewhere in there. I think. I think probably if you're an earlier stage company with a, with a very solid product market fit, as you're hiring your first five to dozen or more salespeople, assuming they're not a trading, like they they should be, they should have a pretty easy path. I think they should have a good path to getting their quota. Right. I mean, and as they get more mature, you learn more and you build a team, like then, then you start to settle into that, you know, really successful product. Not everybody at zoom hit quota, by the way, you know, it's just, you know, even though there's a lot of people like, so even mature companies with great product market fit, I could pull up what Zoom's percentage is, but it's not, it's not hundred. It's probably, it's probably high seventies though. And it's simply almost impossible when you're hiring a lot of reps to get people, I'll pull it up as we're talking. It's, it's simply impossible to, to, um, to get large teams at scale much higher than 60%. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It could be. It
1: which... could be a- It could be a company strategy too, because you have some companies say, you know what? I only want one third of the people to get to quote. I'm just going to ramp up my HR, my training team, recruiting, and the product's good. We don't need the sales reps, churn and burn them. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but it's an, you know.
2: I think with the one third, Pete um, and Chad Albrecht, we had him on our show. He said, if they're a hunter with a huge upside, then the one third might work Uh, meaning that, you know, the the ones that are hitting are hitting, they're killing it. So they're making five, six times their OTE. He goes, that in that way that works because fifty percent know that they could get it next year because it's a SAS whale hunting type of a business. Mm-hmm. But fifty percent sounds to me like a feasible number because you know then twenty percent are probably close and then 20, 30% aren't. And those are the ones you want to make a decision on. Do we need to churn them or do we need to keep them? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm, I've got this. I'm happy to, to share. Yeah. Zoom's at, Zoom's at uh, 67.3%, which it's like, well, what's Zoom? How It's pandemic. What? How are they not, how are they not, you know, doing, doing more. Right. But, but that's really good. Right. And they're hiring a ton. They got a bunch of people on ramp. I'm sure that may not be there and they got, you know, again, there's always going to be some percentage that are that are just kind of you know below the threshold, um. You know, so so, you know, for Zoom it's, it's 67, and people will look at that. And here I'll I'll share the. You guys can see that. Can you see that? Yeah, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right here on the right side here, and and Zoom. This is a, this is a pretty highly rated sales org with a, 101 participants uh, from the sales org at at, at Zoom. Um, with, 67, with 67%, which is, which is great. Is there is, a
3: direct correlation between percentage of team hitting quota and that rep view score?
0: The, the rep view score takes, it, it, it does not. The rep view score takes into account the sentiment scores across these seven categories, base comp, incentive structure, professional development, culture and leadership, product market fit, lead flow, and DNI. and And um, it, it factors in the weight of these. We get salespeople tell us which ones they care most about. So if you're doing really well and something that people care a lot about, uh, then you'll get kind of bonus points. And it also factors in, um, it's a relative score. Like, what does 4.08 mean? Well, it means nothing because if everybody else is 3.5, then you're incredible. If everybody else is 4.5, you're doing terribly. That's the raw score. And the revenue score also is really, it's, it's how do you compare against the others in the in the database?
3: Wow. Can you show us the top companies with the top scores?
0: Yeah. So we have a couple different things here. We have the highest score. Um, This is is overall highest score. And this includes some startups as well that you may not have heard of. So even if you want to go to like um, larger or if you want to go to public companies or venture backed, whatever, um, you can see, you know, this sorts, there's about 800 um in uh published profiles you have to have seven or more unique user ratings to get to get on here um and uh yeah that is so cool all zero atlassian and miro top three what are
1: the what are the traits
0: of the top three
1: jamie look at sprout yeah sprout is on
0: there yeah sprouts sprout solid
2: five percent wow
0: yeah 68 ratings i mean so so regardless of of the data and the stats, and you can look, if I click on Sprout Social or uh, your friends in Chicago up there, you know, you can see where they're, where. you know, they're they're not very good in terms of people hitting quota. They've been growing a lot, you know, doing really well, right? You know, 70 out of 293 public. So so a little little lower on what they're paying in base comp, that may change. Um, 33 on incentive comp. They're just consistently super good professional development, number five, number 18 out of out of seven hundred some, number one in public companies in culture and leadership. Uh, so your, your friend uh, Ryan over there is probably running a pretty good org for a while. Um, seven product market fit. Two, they, they're just very good across the board. Top 15, 20 and most of them a little lower on base. Um, you know, pretty good number of ratings. Sixty
2: eight. We're trying to look at Flexera. Hold up there. My my former company. I want to see what they're pulling that up while you were doing
0: this. Uh, oh, charge. Yep, ninety percent. So forty four point five. So a little below fifty. I mean, that's kind of yeah. average. Um, Flex error here eighty three. You 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 really want them to be probably eighty five? Um, it's kind of a kind of what we look at as a midpoint. So you can see, it looks like lead flow is probably yeah, huge you know. problem. One of the things dragging them down, lead flow. Yeah. Um, the rest of the hmm. stuff is kind of 147. So kind of in the middle, 149. Decent. What on the stuff? People like the comp plan there, 71st out of 261.
3: What yeah. are the top three traits of, uh, of your top companies?
0: I mean, I, I think that this isn't necessarily as easily reflected uh, in the in the interface necessarily but I think what you see and and you'll see a a lot of larger companies that are doing well that have established experience leadership right and I think they've done it before they know the drill Uh, so I I think that is a critical factor because you know what what is how do I build like if I'm going to go take a CRO job like what well how are you going to be successful well I'm successful and my team's successful so it's process it's comp plan it's you know what does culture mean i don't even know what culture culture means winning for sales teams right how do you build a culture of winning you build it with a tight process you build it with a comp plan that comes the beginning of the quarter you build it with you know like the, the right tools that the team is able to use right you build it with engaging with marketing and product to deliver the types of support and infrastructure team needs to succeed so we see experienced leadership uh, being a key role, right? Something to look at. And then, and then it's just the product market fit, right? I mean, the quote, you throw a great leadership t- team in a bad product and the product wins every time, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's just, you know, it, it's my number one by far. I mentioned it earlier. And so product market fit is, you're not going to see any top companies that are like, oh, they're pretty low on product market fit, but everything else is good. Because without a product market fit, everything else isn't going to be good, right? Lead flow is not going to be good, You know, people aren't going to be happy with the complaint because they're not making money. Um, You know, so those are a couple of the traits I'd look at.
1: Ryan, what's the best way for listeners to learn more about uh, your product or connect with you? Should they go to RepView.com?
0: Yeah, absolutely. RepView.com, R e p I'm easy to reach on LinkedIn and other other channels. Um, You know, so follow us on LinkedIn. RepView has a pretty big presence as a company page on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, just reach out you know join rep drop a rating in there and then email us with comments feedback what else you want to see uh from the platform we're we're just getting started with it so uh, we've got a lot of things to build we, we we build most of it from feedback directly from our users this is I awesome this for
3: god's sakes <laughs> yeah we could have ryan on the show again with these insights because uh keeping reps is hard man and uh, uh you're you're doing the right thing ryan you know the uh that information asymmetry is a, is a real thing. And if you can help disrupt that, uh, you, you got something that's super valuable to salespeople. So keep, keep fighting the good fight, man. Thank you.
0: Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on.
1: Enjoy. Oh, thanks, it. for, thanks for coming on, Ryan. This episode is brought to you by People.ai. If you want actionable insights into your Salesforce CRM tool, use People.ai. People.ai has the best of breed matching technology that will match your reps' activity to their opportunities and accounts, removing the manual self-reported nature of a CRM tool. Self-reporting, right, Jamie? We believe it. This saves 10% of his salespeople's time giving it back, so they spend more time selling. Use people.ai today to make all your sales tech services work better and provide you the insights and intelligence you need to make better sales strategy decisions. Visit people.ai today to get more info. All right, another great show in the can, guys. Thanks for listening to Sassholes. On behalf of Jamie, KG, and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening, and we ask you to please give us five stars in Apple Podcasts subscribe to our newsletter in the podcast notes, and you can always buy us a beer on Patreon slash sassholes. Cue the music.